On this edition of the podcast, we welcome KGW sports reporter Orlando Sanchez. Sanchez, who's from Portland, Oregon, gives his thoughts on how his state is dealing with the pandemic from a sports perspective. He also gives his thoughts on the Portland Trailblazers and a lot more. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us on triple double podcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. We are back on another episode of the Triple Double. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Justin? Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Um, on today's show, um, we're going to be talking about the NBA pushing on and planning to reopen. But Florida is experiencing a high rise in coronavirus cases. We'll discuss that. Uh, we'll break down some news in terms of uh, when the NBA draft is going to be this year. And we'll break down the latest soap opera between Kyrie Irving and the rest of the league, specifically um, Kendrick Perkins. And we also have a special guest at the end of the show. He is a former sports director for KOAT Channel 7, Orlando Sanchez. Um, he is now a reporter um, for a television station in Portland, Oregon. Um, and we'll get his thoughts on the Portland Trailblazers, um, him re- reminiscing about uh, New Mexico Lobo since he is a um, New Mexico native and a lot more. So stay tuned to that. And, of course, um, leave us a rating on itunes and get in touch with the show uh, through email again through triple double podcast at gmail.com so man let's not waste any time let's discuss um the latest news concerning the nba returning to action and that is the latest cases of the coronavirus continuing to increase in florida um looking at it right now um, this is of the Saturday. Um, we're recording on a Sunday, so this is the day before. Um, Florida gained about 4,049 new cases. That beat the, the day record before of 3,822 cases on Friday. So there seems to be a massive question as to whether or not the NBA should go through with this. We've seen other sporting events that have been already in Florida. The UFC had a few events uh, a few months ago. The WWE has continued to run shows. Um, another wrestling promotion, AEW. Um, so there's been a lot of other entertainment sports entities operating in Florida. However, um, it has become um, kind of the de facto epicenter of this coronavirus. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on you know Florida becoming a new hotspot? And do you think this is going to be a factor in possibly the NBA rethinking we should remove the bubble um, kind of facility to another state? Or do you think they should just stick with it and go full speed ahead? Well, it's maybe not a popular view, but I've kind of consistently, if you listen to past episodes, I've kind of been more on the side of pushing forward, taking your best precautions. So I know that's not maybe a, a popular take, but I do think that the NBA is definitely, definitely going to use best practices and really isolate the facility that they're in as they've planned to do. There was uh, Shams from The Athletic released their 100-page plan to implement this safely. 
um, and just kind of all the other measures that they're taking to keep players happy while they're in the bubble. So I think the recent news about Florida and the coronavirus cases is going to be alarming for the players. But from the NBA standpoint, I don't see this really slowing things down or changing things. I think there's been too much momentum built up and too much money put into this uh, and too much money to lose if they end up backing out. Now, of course, I'm not saying that I, I don't want players to be safe or, or anything like that. Of course, we want safety, but I think it's going to be so isolated in this bubble that, uh, I mean, really your chances of getting the coronavirus, I feel, and I could be proven wrong, but I feel they're going to be very low if you're a player because you're not out and about in the rest of Florida and everyone coming in there is going to be getting tested. So I, I do think it will be safe, but I do understand that there's probably going to be some extra hysteria with this news. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, man. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from and I think we're on the same page. I think proceeding with this season is the right call. I think, look, it's inevitable. Someone's going to test positive for the coronavirus on the NBA's campus, and it's going to be a player. It's it's going to happen. It's how you deal with it. It's how you isolate them. It's how you make sure it doesn't spread to the rest of the team. That's how you handle it. So with um, Dr. Fauci giving his seal of approval, um, he's already been on the record stating that the NBA has the best plan in terms of resuming their sport. I have um, full confidence that the NBA is making the right decision. I think what's going to be interesting is that you have different phases of how this is going to work, right? You have the team, then you have your Walt Disney personnel, and then you have maybe other kind of entities, media types, et cetera, that perhaps can't you know, work remotely. They might have to be there. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But certainly referees – um, just kind of the, the crew to maintain the facilities. Um, that's something that you're going to have to watch for um, other than the players. So I, I agree with you. I'm not too concerned um, at all. I want to ask you because the state of the country right now has been focused on the Black Lives Matter movement and players. I, I've heard a kind of lesser voices heard from players that are actually expressing their concerns from a safety aspect. I mean, we've heard some players do that, but that hasn't been dominating the the news cycle. Do you think that players are actually, you know, cool with this, or do you think their voices are being drowned out by kind of the the other news that's going on? You know, I and of course I'm not maybe the best source, but I really haven't heard too much outrage from players uh, since really like Damian Lillard's comments earlier this month about not wanting to play and take the risk if there was no chance for the playoffs. And we did talk with Orlando Sanchez later in this episode. You'll hear us talk about that. So I don't want to give too much of that away, but I don't think, uh, I, I think players are more concerned about the BLM movement than the coronavirus is kind of the, uh, since I get kind of reading the, Twitter room and the news space, so to speak. Is that what you're feeling? Yeah, I think so too. I think that's that's the main concern. Um, and if you don't mind, we can segue to that if you want, if you don't have any other thoughts. Yeah, yeah, let's um, do since, this. Since we're, we're talking about that. Um, 
basically right now we're, we're experiencing the next phase of the beef between um, like really Kyrie Irving and kind of the opposition of the rest of the league. And that includes um, Kendrick Perkins um, basically calling him a um, – I think it was either – it was Kevin um, Durant because he is the teammate of Kyrie Irving. When I get that correct, it was right. Kevin Durant calling – um, Kendrick Perkins, a sellout on Instagram in a lengthy Instagram post, and also posted a not so flattering um, video of Kendrick Perkins performing poorly um, in one of his games. It was um, an air ball, kind of like yeah, saying you know. his take was an air ball, like he totally yeah. missed that take. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've been watching a lot of first take. I'm working from home, so <laughs> I've been watching a lot of that. And I disagree with Stephen A. Smith on a lot of things, but he's he's right on this. I think for Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I think their approach has been poor. I've been very critical on how they handle this. I am all for the Black Lives Matter movement. I am for the NBA to be the league that pushes the change. But you have a league, and I believe you have players that are all for this movement. And to create, I think, this unnecessary drama is pretty ridiculous. I think this whole controversy has been a waste of time, personally, when you have, you know, LeBron clearly being an activist, Chris Paul, others that are, you know, quote unquote, they're, they're down for the cause. So to create this kind of false narrative that the other players, they're, I think, not really understanding where they're coming from is ridiculous. I mean, they pretty much went rogue. I mean, it's, it, it's from my perspective, being a black fan of the NBA, it's very frustrating to kind of see some of the players operate this way um, because I think as a unified front, the players can actually get a lot from the NBA um, and the league resuming and also focusing on important civil issues. But the way that some players have gone about it um, has been pretty poor. And I think within the past, I don't know, a few days, and maybe I'm wrong, Matt, but I've heard way less about this as a controversy. Um, so hopefully it does go away, and hopefully there is a unified front with the players to have constructive ideas. I know Avery Bradley had constructive ideas, so I'm willing to hear him out. But other than that, if you're just going to kind of rant and rave and name-call people on Twitter, um, you're kind of wasting everybody's time, especially since both Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to be there anyway. So in terms of their opinion, in terms of what they have to lose, they're already rich. I mean, I don't really care what they have to say if I'm an NBA player. Uh, what are what are your thoughts? I think this is one of those cases where both sides can be correct and both sides can also be wrong. And I think in this instance, you know, we already had, I mean, we talked about last week, drama with Kyrie Irving. And we're talking again this week. I mean, a lot of that is that we don't have basketball on the court, but also yeah. it was blowing up in the news that Kendrick Perkins, I think it was wrong for him to take a shot at Kyrie's leadership. For one thing, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, as I've said before. And I also, I also think that Kendrick Perkins, while maybe I didn't like how he attacked Kyrie as a leader in this case, um, I, I don't mind the opinion that there, there are different ways to accomplish their collective goal. So, and, and I think the fracture that this caused in that, and, and like you said, not forming a unified front just makes the overall cause look weaker in a way. 
So I think there was nothing really constructive about any of this. Kevin Durant, of course, is Kyrie Irving's current teammate, so he's going to step up for Kyrie Irving. I I don't really fault him for that. I mean, whatever you think of the opinions here, um, I think you can certainly have the opinion that um, – and, and Kyrie Irving's not going to be playing this year, so he can still – be an activist away from this whole situation in Florida. I I think you can also reasonably argue that the exposure that you're going to be getting for the season is a huge benefit and a huge pro in pushing whatever narrative that you want to push, whatever policies, whatever agenda that you want to push. So losing that stage um, and taking that away would be, massive and and I think in my opinion massively damaging because this is kind of shifting topics but kind of not and and let me explain I mean, we heard this past week that major league baseball most likely is not going to be having their season over labor negotiations um we know that back in 94 MLB had a labor strike and it took until Sammy and Sosa Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire had their home run uh, kind of competition, kind of face-off, back-and-forth, chasing the home run record for that sport to really recover from this. So my larger point being is that if you want to be the major sport, and you and I and some of our best friends that love the NBA have talked about it's not unrealistic that the NBA could take over the NFL, uh, not only on the global stage but on the national stage, because certainly on the global stage it's already the case. But if you want the NBA to be the number one force in sports in America, which, I mean, personally, I, I love basketball, so I'm biased in that way. I'll state my bias. But you want to have your league have the feeling that you are always going to be there every season. So, yes, you can you can stop and protest a cause that you believe in, and I will respect you for protesting that cause. But in the long run, you may be weakening your position, uh, on on the world stage, so to speak, if you weaken the power of the NBA. Does that make sense, or am I off my rocker here? Yeah, no. it's You're right on the money. Um, and to me, I'm just wondering where, where's communication with LeBron, you know, or even a criticism of him. Like, he's obviously the face of the league. He has massive power And what's going to happen. Why, why haven't we heard either one of these guys, Kevin Durant or um, LeBron, and even Dwight Howard, that's his teammate now. Even mentioned LeBron. He is the face of the league. I mean, he has a lot of clout, and not to include him or voice have him voice his opinion, I think, is a massive mistake. So it's to me, it's it's very frustrating to see. Um, it's it's disheartening, and hopefully the, the players can all come to kind of a, a consensus on really what to do on on a subject. Yeah, but um, let's be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, the money talks, and sure. that's what's driving all this right now. And it doesn't seem like there has been enough anger and outrage that if you wanted to do it that way, it would happen. So there there just hasn't been enough on that front. And I, I think we already mentioned, if we haven't yet, when we started recording the podcast, the deadline is the 24th for when teams need to is, right. decide whether they're reporting or not. And that's 24th of June. So we're talking in three days here, recording on the 21st here. So there just hasn't been enough, in my opinion, for this season to come to a stop. 
And I think once we hit that marker this upcoming week, I think we'll see the players start to unify and then figure out how they're going to um, kind of uh, form their message as they, they start to resume training camps and then, of course, regular season games. Yeah, I yeah, I feel you. It's just, for me, the NBA has a platform to basically express yourself in any way you want. Um, armbands, headbands, peace for protest. The NBA, I have full confidence it's going to, to work with the athlete that wants to do that, not to mention the media outlet that's going to be interviewing the players. So you have that platform of the media outlet. You have that platform of playing on the court. I don't see any restrictions of blocking that message compared to the NFL, which that is a question mark. We've already heard that, you know, the NFL from all measures is going to allow kneeling, but that's still a big F. I mean, one, I don't even know if it's going to be in a football season. So that's a question mark. But assuming that there is compared to the NBA, I mean, that league has been pretty much non-friendly to peaceful protests in terms of regards to Colin Kaepernick. So I think the NBA, considering what's been going on, they've been on the forefront of expressing their messages, not only the NBA, but the WNBA as well. So I think both leagues, they have the, the freedom to express themselves any way that they want. So that's why it's just a massive disconnect and a lot of frustration um, with myself, with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, just because the league has been very friendly towards that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and that's that's really the NBA's main competition. I mean, really, the owners are going to have to be crazy to not kind of go in the players' favor. I mean, given, you know, the demographics of the league and everything like that, I, we're not going to see any pushback in terms of the players protesting however they want to do that. I mean, you can you can fully expect to see that basically however the players want to do that. I, I can't imagine there's going to be any pushback to that. It would just be silly from a business perspective on the owner's parts. Yeah, agreed. Um, did you have anything else before we just move on to some of this quick news and then we'll just uh, wrap it up and head towards the interview? Yeah, I got I got nothing else on that topic. You know, the big thing is that, in my opinion, the big takeaway is the NBA just needs to have a presence. I mean, it, it'll do it'll do great. I mean, the, the NBA is already a much more higher prestige league than MLB, which is much more localized. Yeah, um, but you want to keep that position, and the NBA has had great momentum. I mean, really, ever since. Oh, I want to say like 2008, 2009 in that range. It's been a really solid 12 years, especially given the TV deals. You don't want to turn into a company and a business, a league, a franchise that is all of a sudden volatile and unsure whether you're going to be there or not. And I know it is a pandemic. It is crazy times right now. But that's, in my opinion, in many ways, all the more reason to be a constant presence. I mean, that's that's one of the things that can make you great. And I know a lot of people may not agree with that, and I understand reasons for that. But all I'm saying is on the grand scale, on the grand stage, you want to have that presence so that you can keep uh, your position. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think the conversation will keep going if the players amplify the protests. No one's stopping you from, you know, expressing yourself, whether it's on the court, the bench, wherever. Um, there's there's plenty of ample opportunity from the athlete's shoes to I'm sure the masks they're going to wear, the shirts they're going to wear in warm ups. Um, I mean, Nike's already behind Colin Kaepernick, so I'm sure creating any type of a Black Lives Matter, um, I guess, clothing, something like that for any kind of athlete that wants to, I don't see that stretch for them to pull that off. So you're right. I think the NBA is a large platform. And also I see, you know, especially inside the NBA um, on TNT, they have these discussions all the time. So they're going to be talking about this all the time. So this is something that's going to be on the forefront of the viewer at home watching this. So, yeah, there's going to be some fun on the court, and you're going to see uh, both pregame, postgame shows on ESPN and TNT covering this, but also they're going to be discussing these issues because um, both analysts on both networks are deeply connected um, to this movement right now. So, yeah, I don't I don't see how blocking the season is really going to help the, the cause at all. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, just some quick news, man. Um, the NBA draft is set to be for October 16th in October. Um, reported by Woj, um, Adrian Rodinowski of ESPN, and the early draft deadline to declare is August 17th. Any kind of thoughts on this? This is going to be a weird because um, this basically is around almost. <laughs> it's Halloween, and yet there's the NBA draft. So it's going to be a very strange year. Um, any thoughts on this real quickly in terms of the NBA recruits, in terms of the calendar and how things are going to go? Um, usually the draft is, you know, obviously in the summer, then there's summer league. But now we have the draft in October, and then let's just say magically everything is fine, and then the season just resumes, I don't know, in January. Totally hypothetical, totally uh, miracle scenario. Um, do you see this being better for the players? Because I assume there's, there's probably not going to be a fall league. The players are probably just going to head to the camp, um, head to their teams' facilities. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, selfishly, I'm sad that you and I won't get to go to Summer League. <laughs> right. Because yeah. we did that <laughs> last year, and that was amazing. If you haven't West. gone to Summer League, you should go when it comes back, which, yeah, won't be this year. I, I don't think there's any chance you see, like, a fall league Zero or anything chance. like that. I mean, I, I think it's – you know, in a way, you are spreading out the NBA season a little bit differently. We're going to be talking about the NBA, I think, a little bit more, even if football is is starting at that that time. Um, you're spreading out the NBA calendar a little bit more, so it'll be interesting to see, to me anyway, how that does competing against NFL narratives if they launch their season as usual, which I expect them to do, to be honest. Um, so so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But other than that, I mean, I think a draft is something that, you know, you could have those lottery picks in person and then everyone else, or maybe even just the first round be in person and everyone else on Skype and figure out how to do that. Uh, so I don't have any any huge thoughts on that. I'm just glad that I'll have some NBA to enjoy in October since we won't have the start of the regular season at the end of October, like it usually starts. Um, I don't really see this impacting the recruits any more than it already has, given that 
They didn't get to have March Madness this year. They've had extra time to train. So maybe these in-person team workouts, if they can happen, which I imagine they'll be able to host those, they'll become, I think, even more important because obviously you didn't have the March Madness to fall in love with players. So, and also kind of, in my opinion, a stale college basketball year to start off with anyway. So I do think this is going to be a year where if you have a deep scouting team and a skilled scouting team, it's going to really pay off for you potentially because you might see something that other teams wouldn't have seen unless it was brought out in a March Madness run. And that's really the only major thing I could think about for the players that would be different. Do you have any other insights on that or opinions? No, I don't. Um, I just think, you know, this is a very fluid situation and everything's going to be kind of on the fly, man. So I think this, this unfortunately for these, this draft class, it's, it's going to be a unique situation. Um, and also remember, we've seen multiple um, draft class participate in summer league. What I mean is basically being a multi-year veteran and still participating in it. So just because there's probably not going to be a summer league, all these players will probably participate in it the following year, unless they're a superstar. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a lost cause, you know, if, you know, they don't participate this year. So I think it's just going to be a fluid situation and we'll see. I think what what's going to be interesting is just the NBA calendar moving forward. Um, if, if everything is um, fixed, because if that's the case, then if the calendar is different, then that's going to it's a domino effect affecting everything. So it's going to be interesting. I think for now, it's just kind of a wait and see approach. Yeah, I agree. And and I think the the thing you didn't mention that may come up is if we see this NBA season start right around Christmas time or even sometime in December, I think I'm even more curious to see what that looks like when maybe you're competing less and less against the NFL directly head to head as it does when the NBA starts off at the end of October. So that may be an advantage and that may be something that ends up sticking for years to come. Even when we go back to full 82 game seasons, maybe they start in December and maybe the NBA playoffs end in August or September. Uh, maybe they try and, and rush it. Although, I mean, you can't really pack the games together because of load management nowadays, but if they can be wrapping up around August when college football teams are getting ready to start, then, you know, maybe this could be a way to better the league long-term in terms of the ratings you're going to get and the, uh, the hold of the media narrative. Yeah, that's that's so true. And also, you got to think next year if everything is you know back to normal, it's going to be the Olympic year. So that scenario of it going to August September, what about the Olympics? Do the players um, participate in that? Um, considering you know you have the finals going on, so it's just it's a massive just domino effect that's I think is going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, and maybe what you see in that scenario is players that don't make the playoffs, their secondary reward is playing in the world championship, uh, which would be obviously a hit to Team USA to not get your LeBrons, your 
Carmelo's. Well, you know, back when Carmelo was Olympic team Carmelo, um, you know, that's that's going to be maybe detrimental to Team USA, at least for this next Olympics. And then if a scenario like what we talked about happens and that schedule were to stick, which I think from what I'm hearing, listening to various podcasts and, and et cetera, I mean, people have been clamoring for this type of a schedule for a long time. So it's kind of the it's perfect true. opportunity. But, you know, as as we've talked about in past episodes, I mean, this was also your opportunity to do an experimental tournament. And we didn't do that for these playoffs. So you never know. People like their traditions. People like their East versus West and things like that. So it may just be that people aren't are ready to mess with the schedule this much. It's only going to happen because it's a necessity with this pandemic. For sure, for sure. Um, should we send it to our interview, or did she have any other comments? I think we're good, man. You know, it's it's been kind of another week of of a lot of silly drama. There's been some silly headlines about the the NBA's plans as far as um, the Florida bubble, so to speak, goes. We did get word about testing that the players are going to be isolated if they have coronavirus and then they're going to have to they're not going to be able to play again until they receive two negative tests uh on consecutive days so uh so there is like a plan and a process in place now uh so you know the next three days keep your eyes on the headlines something massive would have to happen for the nba season to not continue in in both our opinion from the sound of it uh, over this podcast. But, you know, I overall, I'm excited. I'm excited to move on to talk about playing basketball games again and uh, getting back into a rhythm with this. So that's, that's all I got. You guys are going to really enjoy our interview with Orlando Sanchez. It was our pleasure to have him on. He was great to talk to. He was. Let's not waste any time and get to the interview. Um, now, um, enjoy our talk with Portland sports reporter um, from KGW News, Orlando Sanchez. See you later. Now we have the pleasure in welcoming Orlando Sanchez onto the show. He is a reporter for KSW News. Uh, we have the pleasure, since um, Matt and uh, myself are from Albuquerque, New Mexico, he was the sports director for KOAT Channel 7 News, um, and he left us in 2016. We missed him. He's a great sportscaster. He's doing great things in Portland, and it's a pleasure to welcome him onto the show. What's going on, Orlando? Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the invite. As soon as you said that uh, you guys were, were based in Albuquerque, I was like, man, I got to jump on. This is great. Love Love to hear that you guys are doing big things uh, in New Mexico. So thanks for the invite. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for your time. And we, we wanted to have you on because, as as you know, um, we're going through a global pandemic right now. And you have a unique perspective um, since you, you covered the, the sports landscape there. Can you kind of walk us through how sports chains for yourself, covering it from a Portland, Oregon perspective, once the pandemic hit? Man, it, it's been wild. Like some of the things that, that we are doing now um, would have blown my mind a year ago. Uh, so much of what we do as sports anchors and, and reporters is we go to games. We are interviewing people one-on-one. We're, you know, in close quarters with a lot of people. We're shaking hands and, uh, you know, 
from the time you you enter the station to the time you enter the arena. Um, so so much of what we do is just person to person. And so what we're doing now is just it really trips me out to think about. Um, I've been working from home for the past uh, since since March. So, I mean, we're we're already in mid to late June. So um, I haven't set foot in the studio since March, which is a trip. And I'm still able to report. Um, we're still doing press conferences and everything from my apartment in Portland. Um, and so it's been interesting to see how the reporting landscape has changed. Just from my perspective, um, it's crazy to, to be in my living room and, and doing Zoom calls with, you know, Portland Trailblazers, whether that's, you know, Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum or doing it with our pro soccer teams, with our uh, college basketball teams. I mean, all the way down the line, high school athletes, like we're doing all of that. Um, so it's been just a new way of looking at things and getting to know athletes and coaches on a different level than we never thought was possible. And, you know, instead of us being in a press room, now we're seeing athletes that are sitting in their living rooms or that are sitting in their bedrooms. Um, it's really unique and different, but, uh, there's no doubt that we really miss sports and, um, we're hoping that things can return to normal someday. Um, but yeah, the, the way that the, the, the sports world is right now, um, is something that I never could have imagined. Um, and as you know, teams start to, to make that progression towards potentially playing again, we're all going through the unknown together. So, um, from that standpoint, we're learning a lot about ourselves and each other. And, um, it's just super interesting, but you know, we're, we're all hoping that this thing, that things can get better and, um, you know, we're, we're doing it all together. And so it's, it's been a trip to just think about, man, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm babbling on guys, but, um, it's just thinking about it from a, a wider picture. Um, it's a trip to think about as I sit here in, in Portland in my apartment. No, um, you, you mentioned that's that's a very very insightful. Um, you mentioned um, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Um, you you covered the Portland Trailblazers. Can you kind of break down how has the pandemic affected them, um, just from when it happened to now when the NBA is trying to resume in July? Things have taken an interesting turn, um, considering the the social unrest and the the protests. So it has that thrown another element into players wanting to resume the NBA season? Can you kind of walk us through this? Not necessarily their opinions of if they want to play or not, but just how the pandemic has not only affected the star players, but the the rest of the franchise as well for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I mean, I think on a just a human level, it's prioritized life and, and how you value things, um, how important your family is, the people that are around you. Uh, and, and you're seeing that, especially with the players uh, that are now at home and, and being able to spend quality time with their family that they probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do because they're on the road so often. So even from that standpoint, I thought it was interesting you know basketball aside uh to really talk to these guys on that level and to see just how much they're appreciating the amount of time that they're getting with their family especially for many of them that have you know young children like damian lillard who uh his son is is still really little so he's getting a chance to be there and spend quality time with his son um i think that's the biggest takeaway 
that I've had in getting to talk to these players now versus during the regular season where so much of the conversation is about the next game or what just happened. So covering these guys um, has really been interesting from, from that standpoint and has really been about the human side. And now with not only the current pandemic, but also just, you know, social justice and, and the level of inequality um, bring, coming to the forefront, that's really been um, interesting to see these guys step up and to use their platforms for something greater than just sports. And here in Portland, Oregon, I don't know how much you guys are aware, but this is a very um, just politically charged area of the country where um, a lot of people aren't afraid to speak their mind and, and um, you know, really say what what's going on. And so you're seeing players step up in ways that you normally wouldn't see. And, you know, I've talked a lot about Damian Lillard, but there have also been other tra Portland Trailblazers as well that have taken part in marches and protests. And you've seen them in the front with their fists in the air or holding um, you know, um, posters or whatever. And it's just been, it's been something that I haven't seen before. And that's added a whole another element to all of this. So seeing these guys go through this, it's, it's been eye-opening. Um, and so to see them prioritize what's important in their lives and to step away from basketball, I think has been the biggest takeaway from all of this. Yeah, they're still having to figure out ways to, to work out on their own and, um, you know, do individual workouts now with the practice facilities opening up. But for a long period of time, like basketball was so far away from their mind because there was no, you know, end game. There wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, a couple of months ago. Like we didn't know um, when this was going to happen. And if you would have said, oh, yeah, they're, they're building a plan to play at, you know, the Disney wide world of sports in Florida, I think a lot of us would have laughed at that idea. Um, you know, a year ago or, or so, but now that things are starting to become more real, um, I think you're going to see some of the focus now shift towards basketball. Um, but I think now these guys have been able to prioritize what matters to them, their values, uh, family again. So it's really interesting to follow now that you're starting to see much more things happen. And even in Portland, uh, we just entered phase one of reopening so things have been in quarantine for the past three months. So even for the players and being at the practice facility, so much of it was individual workout. Um, the coaches that were involved with them had to be wearing, you know, gloves and a mask just to like shag balls for them and, and rebound for them. So now you're going to start to slowly see, you know, more players at, in the practice facility at once, more coaches in the practice facility at once as they begin to ramp up. And, and get down to Orlando. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that's happening. Even though there's no sports going on, um, there's been something to talk about every single day, um, even if you're just covering the NBA. Um, but it, we're, as in, you know, being in my shoes, we're covering a bunch of different sports. But with the Portland Trailblazers in particular, there's always been something to bring up or, or to talk about. And so, bottom line, man, these guys we've seen more of the human side and we've gotten a chance to know them and what's important to them and how they see the world. And I've really appreciated that. 
Orlando, um, I wanted to ask you specifically about the Trailblazers. Um, I know Damian Lillard has been pretty vocal or, or at least was at one point about, you know, if which I think is a reasonable take, kind of saying if we don't have a shot at the playoffs, I don't see a point in us going down to Florida to play these games. I mean, as as you know, but for our listeners, Portland's sitting at 29 and 37 right now. Uh, three and a half games back of the eighth seed. Uh, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts and maybe on the temperature of the team. And if you have any insights as to how they are feeling now about going to Florida and also what are your thoughts just individually about this setup in Florida safety for the players from what you can tell I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that because it's a really unique situation. They do have a chance to make the playoffs, uh, but they are three and a half games back. Do you? Is there a risk reward? What are your thoughts on all this? It's super interesting. Yeah, um, it was a pretty bold statement at the time for for Damian Lillard to come out and, and say that, and and you know, as you mentioned, basically be like, if you're not giving us a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. I'm going to be there for my team, but I'm not going to play in this game. Um, and I think for a lot of people in Portland, the fan base here was like, yeah, uh, we're good with that because we understand the risks of traveling, getting on an airplane, going across the country, living somewhere else, being away from your family for the most part, um, that, that there are a lot of risks and, and um, things that they have to give up in order to play a basketball game. So I, uh, for the most part here in Portland, every uh, the majority understood it and were cool with it. Um, but yeah, like with this team in particular, uh, the this entire season has been a very unique one. Fresh off a you know Western Conference Finals appearance, they had so many injuries to this roster. Um, there were serious ones. There were there were um, also um, you know guys just missing time throughout the year. So this team has been banged up and now with the pandemic this has given the team a lot more time to get healthy so players like Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins who had suffered injuries are now ready to play so this team will be healthier than it has been all year so with that said these guys believe that they have a legitimate shot at making the postseason And so Damian Lillard was saying, if you don't create some type of format that allows us to compete and try and catch uh, Memphis, then we're not interested in this. And um, I think the team had his back in that and believed that as well. And so there was a lot of a a lot that went on behind behind the scenes, even when this current format was presented uh, between the Players Association and the league. And them saying, okay, we're going to have 22 teams that are going to come out to Orlando, and we're going to break the schedule down to the point where there would be a play-in game. If you could stay within, you know, three or three and a half games, whatever it, it is, um, that would give them a legitimate shot to catch Memphis. And the Blazers being at as close to full strength as they've been since Western Conference Finals, or even before that, actually, because Nurk wasn't playing, um, this gives them an opportunity. So uh, I think from Portland's standpoint, it's super interesting that even if they got, let's say they did get into a playoff or a play-in with Memphis, 
they believe that they have uh, the team to do it and at least to get into the first round. Now, let's say they match up with, with the Lakers, who are arguably the favorites to win the NBA title. Um, that's a whole different discussion. But, you know, they've made the playoffs the last six years in a row, and that's something that this team has taken pride in from management all the way down uh, to the trail uh, to, you know, the stars and, and players on the team. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really super interesting. And for the Blazers to be one of those 22 teams um, creates a lot of excitement around that. Now, as we mentioned earlier, there's lots of risks involved. There's, there's no way that anyone can 100% guarantee that these players are not going to get sick when they're out there. And is the NBA ready for that? That's a discussion that I'm sure they're having all the time, especially with certain states uh, starting to see an uptick in cases, you know, states like uh, Texas and Arizona and Florida. So they're keeping an eye on this thing. And, you know, obviously they're giving them the best opportunity possible to play the season for these teams to make money because that's really what this is about. And also these players to have an opportunity to compete, something that they love to do. Um, it makes sense why so many of them w agreed to, to pursue this and to move forward, um, you know, as we're, what, about a month and change away from the first game resuming. So, yeah, there, there are risks. And, and, I mean, I understand why certain players have spoken up about it and, and said, hey, I don't know how comfortable I am with this. So it's been across the board um, with with players in particular. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're aware of it. And I think all of us are too, that we know it's something could happen and, and how, how are they going to react? What are the optics going to be behind that? Are they going to be safe? Because safety is what's, what matters most in all of this. So it's, it's really super interesting. And I can talk you guys ear off about this. And I know that you guys have been doing a lot of research and, and talking to others about this. So, it's, it's a really interesting follow. And even though that there, there is a plan in place, like if there isn't a, a big outbreak or, or something happens where, where the risk becomes too great, like all of this could be thrown out and, we, and, and the NBA season could be gone um, for good this year. Yeah, that's a good point, Orlando. And I think um, what should give the NBA um, some comfort is that we've seen other sports and entertainment forums um, like the UFC and like the WWE already proceed through this pandemic. And they've had positive cases. However, there hasn't been an outbreak. So um, there is some hope there um, for the NBA that if, you know, just in case, just because one player um, gets the coronavirus doesn't mean that it's going to, to scrap the entire um season plans for for the league um I, I wanted to ask you specifically about the social um unrest and the the players speaking up with avery bradley kyrie irving kevin durant and specifically why those players in this small coalition um didn't consult with lebron or chris paul or the, the kind of the, the other players within the players association before moving forward because we've seen players be unified when they have a grievance with the league, and this is the first time we've seen a split between the players. Um, in your opinion, do you know why we've seen a small segment of players, for a lack of a better, back of a lack of a better term, go rogue um, and pursuing this venture that they're doing in terms of not playing unless the the social injustice is confronted by the league? Yeah, I mean that's that's tough um, to say one one player or one group of players should not 
do something. If they feel strongly about it, they they should use their their platform um, to speak out. I mean, that's one of the the privileges that they do have as um, NBA players, as professional athletes. And um, for a lot of them, this is bigger than basketball. So they've basically taken a stand on this is what is most important to me. And basketball, they love and want to play, um, but there are bigger things out there. And I think that's kind of the message that you're seeing from players across the league. So, yeah, it's it's interesting um, to see the variety of ways that players are going about it. Um, but I really have appreciated um, – their willingness to to step out and say enough we need to be heard this has gone on too long um and so damian lillard has always been um a leader and the face of not only a franchise but the city so to see him be willing to lead protests to walk the streets of portland really says a lot about him and his values and um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion to see um, where they are, and you know I think on a certain level a lot of them are are saying hey we are united, it's just we're doing it in different ways. But um, it's an interesting thing, it's an interesting topic to follow even from a basketball standpoint, and not just um, as a global human um, topic. You know, as one of the biggest things that's that's gone on. Um, but yeah, it, it's super, super interesting, and um, I've really followed a lot of it, especially involving NBA players. Orlando, I wanted to uh, kind of shift gears in a big way here because you spent, I believe, um, was it four years as sports director at KOT? Yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, they're really, I, I think it's safe to say the Lobos are a ravenous, unique fan base, um, at least from Justin and my experience. Uh, and I think the that the area of Portland has some of that unique aspect to it as well, you know, with uh, maybe not having like a lot of other professional sports teams around. It seems to me like Portland fans are, are very, very de- devoted to those trailblazers. I know in a in a Bill Simmons podcast I was listening to, I think Ryan Rosillo described them as happier jazz fans in in terms of their like level of fanhood. Um, so I just kind of wanted to uh, get your your kind of bird's eye view and and even closer intimate view, kind of comparing those fan bases. What what has your experience been like? What are, what are some of the similarities and differences that you've seen between New Mexico and Portland? Man, uh, I was I was looking at you know some old videos and, and pictures of just the different pit crowds, and um, it, it's so nostalgic. I, I like I have so much pride in it, um, and seeing the pit in its prime and Lobos fans pack the pit regardless of the opponent, and you know when it was you know eighteen thousand eighteen or fifteen four eleven. Uh, you know, the, the attendance there, um, it was just, it was so cool. And I loved seeing the, you know, best crowd 
crowds in America, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico on that list year in and year out, whether it was a Sports Illustrated or Bleacher Report or whatever would put out something mentioning the pit crowd. I loved it. Um, and seeing the decline um, in recent seasons, you know, the, the lack of success that the team has had and those attendance numbers dwindle a little bit. Um, that was such a bummer to me. Um, it, it made me it made me a little sad, you know, to think about. Yeah, us um, too. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm, very much. <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping um, that Coach Weir and um, that this team is able to be not not just relevant, but a competitor in the Mountain West Conference. Um, a, a team that you knew, okay, when March came around, this team would be in contention to win the conference and go to the tournament. Like, I feel like a Sweet 16 berth would just be... I think that Lobos fans would appreciate a Sweet 16 more than any fan base in America. And I'm hoping that that happens in my lifetime. Um, it would just be a thing of beauty. And so success aside, like, I just think that, you know, New Mexicans make the choices. If this team isn't going to play well, I'm not going to spend my money, my hard-earned money, to go out and watch this team. Um, so that is super I, – I, I enjoy it, and I hope that it gets back to – the glory days and the heydays of walking down that pit ramp and just seeing the amount of people there screaming and leaving after a game and my ears hurting because of how intense that game was. Like there's so many moments that I think back to just covering the team, being on the sidelines with the camera on my shoulder. And when you compare the fan bases here in Portland, um, the Moda center here, it, it's rocking, man. I mean, every game is pretty much a sellout. And uh, they just they love their Portland Trailblazers. Um, this team, uh, the city loves them. They identify with them. Uh, the thing, too, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the happier jazz fans uh, notion. Um, it, that, I think that's a really funny way of putting it, because this team or this fan base is very forgiving. And so mm. if the team loses, it's like, ah, oh, you know what? It's all good. Uh, we love our Blazers. They'll be back. We'll do it again. Next year's our year, you know? And so I think that's been the gift and the curse of this fan base is that they are, I think, a little too forgiving at times. Um, but with the reemergence of this team, uh, the leadership of Lillard, McCollum, and others, um, you know, they've they've been really good. And so it's hard to to argue with that. But this team is this fan base is just salivating for a championship. You know, they haven't won one since 77. Mm -hmm. So Bill Walton. So uh, people here want that. But I think regardless of the success, um, Blazers fans still show up, even though like this Portland has always had a good team for the most part. There's, there's been down years, but people have always showed out here. And I'm wondering, you know, if, New Mexicans or, or, you know, uh, Lobos fans will be as forgiving, you know, because if this team isn't good, Lobos fans are like, screw that. I'm not showing up. Um, mm -hmm. So that, I think that's one difference between those two fan bases. But there are a lot of similarities in terms of passion and the love that they have for the team. Awesome. I, I have one more important question and then I'll throw it to Justin. I know he's got another. Uh, do you have someone supplying green chili for you? Sending it your oh, way. <laughs> like that's that's what we call burying the lead. 
that's that's <laughs> Dude, the, the struggle is it, it was so real recently like i was on my reserves um but i've been able to load up people have, have sent care packages even um you know my my sadie salsa my los cuates salsa like yeah I, i'm I'm loaded up again, man. So I'm feeling good about life again nice. now that I've I've got my um my my chili fix under control. Awesome, good to hear. <laughs> Justin, go for it. Yeah, Orlando, we'll let you go with this. Um, kind of a a, a, a serious question. Um, just consider the pandemic. I just wanted to get your opinion on um if do you think sports will change for good. Um, for the long term, even after we're we're over this, um, this I just compare it to 9/11 happened. You know, there's TSA, there's just longer lines for taking a flight. Um, do you think you know going to a sports arena? There's always going to be temperature checks. Um, there's always going to be more hand sanitizer. Is this going to be a way of life going to a sporting event, or do you think once everybody gets the vaccine, things will go back to normal? Gosh, I I really hope that things do change in terms of just how we view things like that. As simple as it sounds, man, like wash your hands, you know? And so I hope that that's something that, that changes, that is an, there are more hand sanitizer stations. There are, there, people are more aware to, you know, cover their mouths when they cough or they sneeze. Like just very basic things that I think sometimes we take it for granted. But I do wonder about that um, as we look, big picture long term when we when we do get through this and things return to normal like what are we going to remember about this and so i think that's an excellent question that we don't know the answer to but i i hope and i keep my fingers crossed that it changes us for the better and we are more aware of things but you know people we could return to normal and people just look at this the way that we do a common cold you know but i think it just comes down to, to the basics and and caring for yourself, caring for others around you, being kind to one another, that stuff matters. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that it does change. But in terms of like the, the specifics of, you know, temperature checks and, and the way you enter an arena and all of that stuff, I, I do, I am curious to see how, how they can do that, how that can be maintained, because, um, you know, a lot of that does come at a price financially. And will teams, will organizations, will colleges, will all of these things, will they continue to value that? Will that serve as an important part of of the games? Or do we as a society just live with the fact that, oh, you know what, we might get sick today, whatever. You know, if you're older or if you're uh, more susceptible to, to, to these things impacting you long term, don't go. I do wonder these things. And I think that's an excellent question and one that we'll look back on. And, and be able to say, hey, I remember living through that, and I don't want to go back to that. And you just hope that, that people across the board value that. For sure. Well, Orlando, thank you very much for coming on. Um, do you have any plugs? Just let us know where we can find you on Twitter, Facebook, um, any other kind of uh, reports we should be looking out for you for. Hey, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, show me love on, on, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, Orlando KGW is Twitter or O Sanchez TV on Instagram. I've got to step up my Instagram game. So those of you guys that are out there, um, hit me up. Let me know things that are going on. And I do I do enjoy uh, seeing what is going on in Albuquerque and what is going on in New Mexico as a whole. So I'm still keeping tabs on, on my hometown. Got friends and family. All my loved ones are, are still there. So I love 
I love seeing what people are up to in New Mexico. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for giving me the time and uh, a chance to just chat and, and, you know, think back on New Mexico and the Lobos and all of the good stuff that, that um, my hometown has to offer, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate you. Um, thanks for reminiscing and uh, be safe. Thank you. Yeah. You guys too. Thanks. Thanks, Orlando. And uh, if that if Portland wins that story championship, we or I mean, sooner than that, I hope we can uh, do this again. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you.